All right, folks, I'd like to welcome you back to the Modern Folk Podcast. Uh, Today I'm talking with Caleb Bowers. We are sitting in a hotel room in Wichita. Yo, yo. Yes, we are. And Caleb, why are we in Wichita right now? Well, Ty, I'm in Wichita this weekend for some gigs. So I had some three gigs back to back at the Venge Market Days. And uh, this is my third time coming. And uh, uh, so today is the second show in, and tomorrow we have one more show to go. So I was like, you know what? I need help with one of these shows. So I'm going to call up Ty, see if he's free on a Sunday. So I was like, Ty, can you come do a show with me? So thanks for coming out. Modern folk, they make good friends. I'm just starting to figure it out. Don't lose yourself to loneliness because modern folk are all around. Thank you very much. Man, you know how to talk into a mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb Bowers is a young, talented musician. <laughs> uh, I've had the pleasure of playing music with Caleb for uh-huh. the last two-ish years. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we've kicked some ass. Yep. And we're going to kick some more ass. That's right. And uh, yeah, we're just sipping on some Stella Artois. It's good beer. In a hotel room. You picked that up in Solana, right? That's right. Hell yeah. And um, they're a little bit warm, but that's all right. Hey, that's good with me, man. These are tasty as shit. I drink them all the time. Sweet. So, Caleb, what else is good? What's going on in your life? Well, I'm a newlywed, so I got married about... Yes, you are. uh, Was it six months ago? Seven, eight months ago? Shout out to Hannah. Yeah, shout out to my lovely wife, Hannah Mary. I love you, sweetie. I don't know if she ever hear this, but she ever does. I love her deeply. I love her very deeply. She's a good woman, very smart, talented, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of her life. Yep. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, you and your lovely wife live in Beloit, Kansas. We live in Beloit, Kansas, up above a car dealership. We uh, family-owned car dealerships, born and raised in the car business, and uh, um I moved back. Well, I've been in Nashville for some years and then uh, got a call from my father saying, hey, um, I just bought a dealership. Do you want to come help me manage and run this thing and get your marketing company started? And I'm like, well, shit, why not? Okay. So it was kind of perfect timing because it's right before before COVID. It couldn't have been at a, at a better mm-hmm. time. So the stars kind of lined on that for my future for years to come. So we, I moved to Beloit. Well, I moved back to Concordia for about a year. No, maybe less than a year. But in between time, I was commuting to Beloit, which from Concordia to Beloit is about 30, 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'd wake up in the morning and just get over to Beloit and uh, go to work and sell cars. And then uh, uh, there'd be a lot of construction going on when you're selling cars. So like when we were in... Ooh, how to burp. Ooh, thank you, Stella Trois. Um, good beer. Anyways... I'd be selling cars inside of the, the showroom floor and I'd close the door and there'd be banging and kung kung and grinding and shit and you'd try to be selling a car to somebody. working on the your place? Yep, yep. They were building walls, they were scraping up floors, they were moving stuff around and, and, and I was moving and shaking in, in, in the in sales room. There's been a lot of drinking and sales in the past hundred years in that place. That place is like, it's a historic place. It's been in there for over a hundred years for maintaining vehicles. So it's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, so we, uh, long story short on this part, we, I moved to Bloit and uh, uh, we built an apartment above there. There should be an apartment back in the 80s, or actually back in the 30s, abandoned in the 80s, and then uh, we rebuilt it. <coughs> nice, That's nice that burp. That's Stella Artois. Yeah, mm. baby. 
600 years old. I'm going to take a sip here myself. Uh, well, I'm thrilled you, that you came back. That's uh, how we crossed paths. That's right. And uh, yeah, tell me a little bit more about your apartment. Specifically, you've got a kick-ass studio up there. Yeah, so that's... Um, motor- like a legit studio. You're, yes. So Motorco Studios is, is the is the name of the studio. I have a company called Motorco Media Productions, and I build websites, I do optimizational work, SEO content, um, and I'm also coming up just content for social media, Facebook, Instagram, and rock and rolling on the side, playing acoustic shows and live band shows. And... Um, so yeah, uh, Motorco Studios. We we built an apartment above there, and uh, so I'm I was living up there for about a year and a half, and then I asked uh, my my wife, my wife now Hannah, and to marry me, and she did. She moved in with me, and um, uh, so half of it is living quarters. The other other half is a uh, recording studio. So I wanted to really get into studio production work, and I had the knowledge. I've been in and out, in and out of studios the past seven years of my life at that time. So I'm like, you know what, this is something I want to really pursue. So I, uh, invested in money in the studio. I built it and, uh, and here we are now a little, t- little over two, you know, pushing three years now. So yeah, yeah that's awesome. it's, um, been a good change. And so good to have you every time when you have time to come Absolutely. out and, and record and jam and have a fucking blast. We cook dinner. You bet. Every time we go to your place, we're always fucking cooking dinner, yep. playing rock and roll music. So man, it can't get any better than that. Yeah, well, you've been an inspiration for me. Um, Thanks, man. Same I, here. I'm also putting together a studio. Yes. Yes, you and, are. Uh, I love I've, it. I've been following in your footsteps for that. And Hell yeah. And I appreciate it. For what things you can learn, not much. But <laughs> maybe there's a few tips. But I'm picking up tips from you all the time, too. So it, it's, it works in both fa- both of our favors as yeah, friendships. Well, that's good. So. That's a good friendship there. If, if there it is, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah, so... Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about the podcast. Okay, so, please do. Uh, I'm calling it Modern Folk, okay. which is like, it's a double entendre. So it's for like modern people okay. like, and also modern folk music. All so right. uh, the people, obviously, every episode I do, I'll have a guest on and I just want to talk to cool people and record it. Nice. And, you know, just, yeah, record a piece of history and a conversation with people that I love and that, you know, nice. exciting people. Is and this your second one so this far? This is episode number two. Nice. This is it. I want to do it uh, every week. Hell yeah. So, you know, I got a lot of friends, just fun people to talk to. Dude, um, it's so great. You get, any place you go to, even if you're like you DJ, right? Uh-huh. So if you're going to some DJ oh, yeah. wedding and the next day they're like, you want to be on my podcast? Like the marriage people, they're getting married. That's the that's, perfect yeah, I love it. idea, man. Yeah. That's great. Talk about their marriage and uh, that's, or I don't know if they want to get personal about it, but like just them like being on your podcast, just yeah. kick ass. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I'll just, I'll talk to anyone who I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, but also the second part of modern folk is modern folk music. So every episode I want to, uh, debut a piece of music or just some, some form of music. Yeah. Whether it's something that I created or mm-hmm. that my guest created or that we just, mutually enjoy nice. so um yeah the first episode um it's not released yet as of now if you're listening to this okay. then that then it actually will be released but uh the first one i uh debuted a, a piece of music that i worked on okay and this episode i'm kind of hoping to get something from you okay uh this is caleb bowers aka kj bowers that's right man that's and right and so either 
Um, I can, if you give me the file, I can release like what you already have out there. I'll get or to you. maybe, maybe I'm kind of hoping we can like sneak in something that's not released. Or hell yeah, uh, if we get excited, we could even uh, just play guitar here in the hotel room. Could. Here's another thing. You remember that thing we did with uh, my brother-in-law? You know Isaiah. He's uh-huh. a you know videographer, and then oh, yeah. Noah's brother, other brother-in-law's drummer. Uh-huh. Um, we could use that piece. Oh, maybe. absolutely. He's like Isaiah's like, dude. He's like, you get me that fucking file. I want that <laughs> file. I want to use that in my movie was, I'm working on. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's that was just kind of a weird piece of music that it's very different. Like. I, I know wanted it to be it's all about the drum and his feeling of how it's supposed to flow so I, I wanted him give him freedom and control of the melody of what it was going to be uh-huh. and then we just piece it from there and it's not really like a, a song that you yeah. hear on the radio or anything like that but it's just more like yeah. back instrumental piece that would be perfect for this podcast yeah cool and cool. like um so I'm working I want to release an album at some point in my life mm-hmm. but I have a lot to learn and a lot to just, I don't know. It seems daunting just to release something. It's hard work. Even like yes. a single, but oh, yeah. this podcast, I feel like it's not as, um, I don't know. It doesn't have to be polished. It's just kind of like, Hey, here's something I'm working on. Yeah. Enjoy. And it's like the outro. So it's like, you can listen to it or just put it in the background, whatever. Okay. So it's like any piece of music, all like debut on this. Hell and yeah. if I'm doing a podcast every week, it's like, I got to do a lot of music. So it doesn't have to be super refined. And so it's a a good excuse for me to practice recording and just get something out. Um, Like all these will be on, you know, iTunes and Spotify and and whatnot. So hell yeah. Yeah. I dig it, man. I dig it. I'm excited. Well, I got the guitar. I was just thinking of something on the top of my head when, well, I was kind of thinking like, I don't know, even some of our motorcoat stuff, like, like lipstick or yeah, like lipstick here to party. These microphones are great. You can like put them down low uh-huh. and like point them up like towards your, you know, face, and then like that picks up vocals, but it also picks up guitar, and it's like, it it mixes it so well. Nice. I don't know. I've nice. recorded a few songs just by With one it? mic, and it's like, wow, like holy shit, this <laughs> sounds like it's These like se- mixed and produced. The seven Bs are pretty sweet. They sound great. I like them. Uh huh. Yeah, they're good mics. I had like at least I was playing the, the show today, and I at least had two people come up ask me about this microphone. First, the Dan, Dan that that puts on the whole event, uh-huh. him and his wife Lynn, great people. They they run the Venge Market days, and Dan's like, "What kind of mic is that?" And I go, "It's a SM7B." He's like, "Man, how much do those cost?" I don't know, about three four hundred bucks. I mean, you can find them used for maybe yeah. three hundred, three twenty, three fifty. And uh, and I had another person, just a strange random person, like, "You using the seven B for this? It right. actually sounds pretty damn good, man." Have you ever done it for a live event before? Nope, first time. I that's I like, that's unusual. I like they're, how they're perfect in a studio, but yep, yep. Um, I've never seen it live. They're uh, well, I've seen I have seen them live before, yeah. but they've been like live like studio situation lives, but not like uh-huh. a live performance. But if you think, kind of, it's all live aspect. You know, those, those big rooms are pretty big rooms, and then you're performing in a big room, so it doesn't really matter. Even if you're just you're just getting sound out of it. So these uh-huh. mics are what I like about these mics. They're they're like a souped up fifty seven. Yeah, you know, fifty-seven is something you always see that are on snare heads or that they're yep. on, uh, you know, cabinets with a Royer one twenty-one. Like I use a Royer mm-hmm. one twenty-one and the the SM fifty-seven on the cabinet on the speaker and, and a bunch of different ways to to approach it. But um, these are hyped at fifty-seven. So these sound great. Whew, it's like a... they're really low 
uh, gain. So I think that's yep. why you don't use them for like a live setting. And they're directional. Very directional. So they're not like outward. I mean, if you pull back, you're going to get more of the room. See? Hello, yep. back in the room. I get closer to the mic and you're right on it. Yeah. But they're so sweet to work with. They are. Like we have the TV going on right now and it's like. Can't even barely hear it. You can barely hear it. Huh? We are live in a hotel room. Ah, drinking Stella. Stella Artois. Is that, is that a, what kind of beer is that? I think it's Belgium. Belgium beer. 600 years. Ah, that's um, good. That's a damn good beer. I got a nice, nice little buzz kicking. It's in. A, a premium lager. I've had a drink for like a week now, so I'm like, I'm, I'm, this is nice. I can't wait to get some sushi tonight, man. Oh, I can't oh my wait. Gosh. Man, I haven't had sushi for, for a minute. Really? Yeah, they don't have sushi in Superior. Oh, yeah, they don't, do they? <laughs> the only place I really Actually, the last time I had sushi was in Nashville. No shit. Yeah. Wow. And it was uh, all you could eat sushi. Where was which that is, at? Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's all you could eat sushi. Okay. So it's like fifty bucks. Ooh. And all you can eat. So it's like you you have to eat. Yeah. A lot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's you order it, and then if you don't finish it, you uh-huh. have to pay for what you ordered. What? Yeah. So. Like, we ordered just a shit ton, a lot of sushi, oh, wow. and they just kept bringing it out, and I got real full, but they're like, if you don't finish it, you have to pay for that roll, and these rolls are like $30 a roll. Oh, no shit. So, it's like, wow. we ate $200 worth of sushi, <laughs> but I, so, it's a good uh, it's a good business model, because it's like, yeah. you can't waste it. Um, you ever heard of the sushi train in Asheville? Huh. Dude, it is freaking cool as shit. So, they... The, the the kitchen makes up sushi rolls. Oh, and it's on a conveyor, conveyor it's belt. It's a conveyor belt. It's like a train that comes through, and then you just pick what you want. You just reach oh, in and nice. grab it while it goes. That's the coolest yeah, like, I've thing. Seen that. Oh my god, those those are cool as shit. Thinking about that, I had like I made, dude, I made a fuck ton of tips today. A fuck nice. ton of tips. So a lot I'm of like, people. Nah, I grabbed some cash out of it. So some sushi this evening. Hell It'll yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, tell me more about Nashville. So you lived there for how many years? Uh, about three and a half. And then I was for about another half a year to year. I was going back and working on projects in the studio. Yep. I have you moved out there for music. I did. So I moved out there when I was, I just turned 22 at the time and I had to talk with my dad and, uh, I've heard the story a hundred times about other people and it's kind of the same story about me but in my own aspect of how I experienced Nashville and so I left about 22 and I didn't know where I was going to go I actually originally was going to go to Atlanta but I was driving down the highway and there's there's a split once you leave St. Louis there's a split between you go to Atlanta or you go to Nashville so I decided to take a left instead of a right I think that was a left right it's been so long but that sounds right how I just explained the story is, you know, I just, I just took a different route. I had the chance to, you know, go to Nashville or Atlanta. So you didn't have anything planned. You just went out there. I just went out there. There's one guy that I wanted to meet out there. And, um, I talked to him on the phone a few times and I was just going to go up and surprise him just out of the blue, head to the studio and just say, Hey, I'm here. All my shit's in my car. What to do next? You know? And not relying on him, relying on myself, right? But mm-hmm. the nostalgia of Nashville is what drove me more in. So it's got more, there's more people that have gone to that city. So I'm like, you know what? What better place than to go to Nashville? That's where it's happening. So, but it's happening in Atlanta too. But 
there's little niche groups that you try to get in involved in. Sure. And so every niche group, there's hundreds of niche groups and there's more successful niche groups than others. So, but I was part of the, one of the niche group and I don't know, I'd say those niche group was kind of more the bottom feeders of okay. the Nashville scene, but those bottom feeders hung out with a lot of the well successful producers, the well successful engineers. So I spent a lot of my time working those kind of people, but I first moved there. I didn't have a job. I didn't know where I was going to go for the first two months. I looked trying to find a job. So I didn't care what it was just as long as it was in the music business. So I walked around music square for like two weeks. And then one day I was walking around and I went door to door, different place, different place. Nobody would really even let you in, you know, that you could only get too far as the front desk. And then you like gotta, these are different studios. Oh, the studio A, studio B where Bob Dylan, he's done his project. Yep. I think studio RCA. Yeah. Yeah. RCA. It's not that anymore. It doesn't exist anymore, but it's yep. now more of like for college students to go and work on projects. Yeah. And oh, well, you experienced that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, I was, yeah, I used to go in those rooms and, and, uh, uh, get a good tour of the place. And, but anyways, one day I n- ended up going down a music row. There's a big circle drive circle oh, yeah. drive. There's, there's like, there's a big bank there. And right next is like, a. Um, I can't remember their names. That place probably changed its name three or four times since I've been there. But I went to some venue event and then I met a guy in there that, that had a booking agency and I talked to him and he's actually looking for, for artists that he can make money off of and, uh, and to do projects with. So I was pretty naive at the time, not knowing it, but mm-hmm. he hired me to be a booking agent. And then I also ran a social media page. I also that kid that, you know, you go in you make coffee for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, Hey, Caleb, we need you to go make, go make a Starbucks run and pick up those little Pascones. Here's, here's, here's 60, 70 bucks. Make it happen. So I go to grab the it, bring intern. it back. I was the intern <laughs> and I wasn't even fucking college. Yeah. They say you need college for this experience. No, I, I, I did it just jumping into it. And I'm proud to fucking say that too, mm-hmm. because it's, uh, um, so I jumped into it and, uh, next thing you know, I'm, I'm a booking agent and I'm, I'm doing some helping doing studio projects filing things away, different charts, studio charts, whatnot, yada, da, da, da. So I did that for about a good year. And after that, it, this job, uh, led me to another job where I was selling radio advertising for the Grand Ole Opry, okay. 650 WSM, the Grand Ole Opry. Mm-hmm. And so that was, uh, that, that opened up so many doors for me and, and meeting people and having, you know, having a name behind me and that's a good iconic thing. And I, and I didn't know nothing about the business, but I learned it within like two months. I, I, I knew a lot about that, the Grand Ole Opry and the people who work there and the, and the so far so-called Godfather voices, which they are the Godfather voices, Eddie Stubbs, uh, Bill Cody. He would not think that, but he, yeah, uh, Bill Cody. So what exactly did you do at the Grand Ole Opry? You were selling, you were advertising events? Yep. So I sold radio advertising. So I would, okay. uh, I would go out, I'd meet people, make relationships, I uh, joined the Chamber of Commerce. I went to Rotary events. I went to uh, 40 and under. Anything that I could find to go meet people and just interact with folks. And when I did that, I kind of realized, you know, who are the people that I can help and who are the people I can't. You're not going to go to some place uh-huh. that's 40 and under to network. All those people are younger and they're just trying to make their way just like I am too. So I'm like, okay, this is kind of wasting my time. You know, being around 20 year olds around the same age as me, not that it's wrong, but you know, tr- right. trying to talk to them, but I didn't really fit in that much as of like, um, um, there's, there's a weird persona about it. So, but mo- most of what I enjoy doing is going to like chamber of commerce events, 
um, in political events, the governor would speak at some event or you had a representative speak and I would go to those events. And that's where I found the people that I created good relationships with and I helped them with their company. And, uh, that was a good thing. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I did that for about a good year and all this was contract work. So like after the first, like three, four months in, I start, my contract started to go through, I started making some money and then they actually hired me to do running events for like in the front of the Opry. So people would walk through before they go into the shows and stuff. And so I, I would represent, I would represent WSM 650 WSM selling candies campers, you know? So I would bring in multiple people, multiple people into it. And, um, you met a lot of cool people. I met a lot of cool people on there. I met the, uh, uh, Michael Guth, uh, this guy used to, the, uh, book out Madison Square Garden for, for years, okay. like bands like U2. Uh, fuck I, I've heard of them. Yeah. U2. <laughs> yeah, band U2, yeah. Um, so, like, he, he actually helped me get a couple jobs and a couple um, opportunities to get my foot in the door as well um, down there. Then after that, um, uh, I was also working part-time jobs, too. So I was, uh, you know, I worked at a music store part-time, so I would go in and in the afternoons and close up in the evenings after the, you know, I'd be at the radio station most most of the day in the morning and early afternoon. Um, so I did quite a bit of that and also dabbled in the hospitality business after the last year I was there. And um, um, after all this was said and done, you know, I, I get a call and, uh, you know, my dad says, hey, you want to come back and help me out with this stuff? So I was like, you know, what? I've, I've experienced Nashville. I know what it is. I know what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Whoever's been to Nashville knows what it's about. I went through to be an artist, but you don't realize if you don't have money behind you, backing you, you're just a tadpole on the rest of the river. Yeah. It's like everyone goes there to be an artist. Yep. And uh, it's kind of hard to stick out when everyone literally is a good musician. Yep, that's true. I mean, there, there's musicians that are really damn good, and they're broke oh, as yeah. shit all the time. And they, you know, they can't even get themselves a record deal. Um, but it's not because of that, because I don't think even record deals are much of anything anymore. People are yeah. doing their own. So I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of listening to people tell me what I need to be doing. And when they're benefiting financially off of me, so for my experience in reading books, listening to audio deals and just playing many shows, talking to many people, I was like, you know what? I just need to do it on my own because no one else is going to help me out, but except myself until if the time is right, then something good would happen. But yeah, I'm just, I get more music production stuff and that's what I'm sure. enjoying more as well as I'm performing too. Um, did you record? You learned a lot of production in Nashville. I did. So I've, you're around studios. Oh, constantly. Yeah. Um, so I, I did an, a, a demo EP of like seven, eight songs when I was down there. Okay. I haven't released any of it. I think I did for a while, but I took it off cause I just didn't feel like it was what I wanted to put out there. Sure. So, um, so I did a demo EP and then I had a studio myself. Uh, my first studio I built down there, diamond, diamond sound studios. And they give you like this really small ass room and you just rehearse in there. I spent countless hours um after work i would go in there in the evenings and stay there till like three four five and sometimes five in the morning and just work on mixes and just try to figure out how an engineer would approach things and just study and study and um so i did that for a good amount of time um and i worked on a bunch of demos i did a lot of co-writes with different writers um so i went to a lot of writer rounds um, working in a music store really contacted me with a lot of writers and that's why i wanted to go to music stores because 
everybody goes to the music store. You know, this producer goes to this music store to pick up this. Um, gosh, who are some producers? There's a guy that was running a music store by the name of Denny Sanders. He managed Papa Roach at the time. Okay. And I believe he got let go from I, Papa. I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah, big band. Yeah. Well, he got let go from that band for whatever reason. And then he ends up running this music store and they sold out. And then I'm trying to sell radio advertising. So I created a relationship with Denny and I sold him a package for um, probably about six months to a year contract with them and promoted their business. And uh, in between time, they hired me to do work. And I don't know if it was really a conflict of interest, but between that, but somehow I ended up getting a job. But okay. got the job, new guy bought it, um, some really wealthy guy, um, something, uh, I'm not going to say the names of any of these people, but... Um, uh, but uh, they invested money into the the place, but it, it went under basically, and uh, just couldn't find the good help. I mean, and it was it was grueling hours. Music stores when trying to run a music store is tough. You're dealing with so many so many fucking egos all the time, sure. especially in Nashville. I yep. imagine. And most of the money was coming in from uh, the students, the the school that was there. Is over like there's over like twenty twenty five rooms in there that people would go in and teach kids stuff, you know. And then the music store was just something cool to go pick up a $3,000 Martin guitar and then put it down mm-hmm. and never never buy it. And so a lot of stuff sat on the walls for a long time. But they also had a music venue in the back that was pretty neat. And I helped run that. And that's where I got into a lot of videography work and started doing projects for just random people wanting to do events back there. And I'd film it. I'd take the audio and video and uh, I would edit it, make some cool stuff out of it. So um, I did that as a as a part-time thing while I was just making my way, do my rounds in Nashville. So while that, in between that time I was, I was doing shows all the time. I was, you know, if I'm not co-writing, I'm going to do a show. If I'm not doing a show, I'm working at a music store. If I'm not working at a music store, I'm at the radio station. If I'm not doing that, I'm doing something to progress. But, you know, like I said back, if you don't have money, <laughs> it's hard to make it in Nashville. It's, it's hard to make it because, you know, you know, it's funny. Before I left, there's a guy I, I spoke with. I don't want to. I don't want to say any names, but he said, "Caleb, this isn't going to happen. You go to Nashville." He's like, "You're going to end up spending so much money to do a demo project, uh. a glorified demo project. It's going to go fucking nowhere. It's not going to go nowhere." And it didn't go nowhere. And he's right. And you're going to run into all these fucking bottom feeders that he mm-hmm. mentioned. I have, I have, but I was very fortunate to be in front of some people that took me under their wings and taught me the business, the street smarts of Nashville. Um, so that, that taught me a lot, but, um, um, anyways, that's my experience with Nashville. And then in 2019, I, I early, just like late 2018, I get a call saying, Hey, you want to come back and do this thing? And I did. Could have been a better thing. And then COVID hit and then shit hit the fan. Yeah, you bet. The music market, um, I was watching, uh, when I just moved back, I was keeping track of the news and what was going on with the, uh, with COVID itself and, and in the music business. And, uh, it pummeled down 60% of the music business died out. Oh yeah. That's a perfect opportunity for you to come back to Kansas and, and, uh, yeah, that, that's about yeah. the time that we met. And people may have think that the car business, like, it wasn't hard for the car business. You guys not selling, not doing good. It's probably weird for it. It was weird, but messed a lot of markets up actually we had really good months in covid for, for other than not being able to uh, stock like new vehicles that's true the chip shortage the chip but uh megan barry 
Is it no, not Megan Barry. She was the old oh, old mayor of Nashville that kicked out because she slept with some some guy or something. Not good. She fucked up her whole entire career in Nashville um, as of doing that. But um, um, I think it, I, what what about her? Okay, Megan Barry. I think that's what her name was in Nashville. But <laughs> okay, and, uh, whew, let's turn that around. Okay, the the GM for uh, General Motors. Uh, General Motor Cup or GMC, that's what that stands for. So GM, I think her name is Megan, uh, I believe. So she just said recently that the shortage is done. So chips oh, are see. being put in the vehicle. So they're coming through and they're going to their dealers. So every every car dealership has a thing that's called, um, there's an ordering process you have each month, uh-huh. allocation. So they give you so much allocation per month. If you don't sell the vehicles that they allocate you to, then they don't give you as many vehicles as that you would need. But we've been selling them left and right, left and right, and left and right. So, and a lot of these people, they don't want. There's new trucks that are coming out. They've got the 2.7 liter motors, turbos. Okay. No fucking farmer wants a 2.7 liter motor truck. They want. They want a 5.3 V8. The big boys. Yeah. Or they want a 6.2, 1500. Right. Now, now if they want a 2500 HD. Well, it's going to be gas, or that's going to be a 6.6 liter. But then, you know, a diesel, you can get 3.0 liter diesel on a 1500. 2500 can be 6.6 liter diesel motor, too. I mean, it's hard to get the 2500, as in, so I'm trying to say it. But vehicles are hard to get in. So we switch around from talking from Nashville to this and now the, the car market. Hey, that's all right. We're talking about whatever. Cool. Uh, I need another drink. Do you want me to get you one? Um, you want to take a little pause? We'll crack open some more Stella Artois. Let's do that. And we'll get back to it. We're yeah. talking with Caleb Bowers in a hotel in Wichita. Yeah. Uh, we're back with uh, KJ Bowers, live from a hotel room yeah, baby. in uh, Wichita, Kansas. We are sitting on beds, and we're shooting the shit, talking about whatever. Yeah. Caleb, tell me a little bit about uh, North Central Kansas and maybe growing up there and and uh you have a i don't know you have a uh an affinity towards Kansas every time we talk you're you're passionate about um like whatever rural development and all this good stuff so let me tell me tell me your story all right um you know what taught me about Nashville well taught me about my home state is when i moved out of Kansas i didn't want to be in Kansas much anymore um, you know, my mom being a politician, you know, you kind of got to have a clean slate on, on your, your sleeve and you don't want to get in trouble for some shit. So, so uh, you're saying it's refreshing when you, when you left, it was because it, it made me look at things differently and com- not only community aspect, but in leadership wise too. Like I was 22 when I left and I moved back when I was 28. I learned a lot, not only a business, but communicational skills with people I almost wish I, I would have took some classes in leadership when I was like early 20s instead of now. But I mean, now is still a perfect time. There's people in their 30s and 40s taking these classes and they're still trying to grasp it um, in their own way, um, being, you know, well adults. But so being in Nashville, going to these different events, you know, the Chamber of Commerce events, legislative events, you look at those things and I ask myself, why the fuck am I here at these events? What, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to, I'm trying to make business. I'm trying to sell. I'm trying to do, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make some money. Right. So for a company and, mm-hmm. uh, so I, uh, 
realizing that about Nashville and actually leaving Kansas, it kind of make me realize that Kansas is not that bad as how I thought of that growing up. I thought it bad because, you know, every kid hates their small town, wants to get out of their small town because there's nothing much going on. You know, the biggest cities you look at a 50,000 population in a town, you think that's a big city, which I still kind of think that is in some sense of form. Compared to growing up in the town that's got four or 5,000 people, you know, the only thing that's happening for the town is a Walmart and a, and a hospital. Yeah, I didn't even have a Walmart in Superior. <laughs> right. 2,000 people. So... After leaving Kansas and going to Nashville, I think a lot of that taught me about the aspects of community and understanding it. And coming back to Kansas and then being a part of the community and and and, and joining, being a being, I'm a Rotarian, so I I, I do community things. I, I help volunteer for things. I'm also uh, um, in Lions Club too, but I haven't been to Lions Club very for a while because work's been so busy and I can't leave for lunch at times. So it's, it's hard to, for me to put in the time to do that. So I can only really dedicate to the rotary time, but moving to Kansas, um, North central Kansas, it's, um, it's rural living, man. It's rural. There's, there's nothing city about it. You know, the people that live in rural want to get out of the rural area and live in the cities. A lot of these, these small towns are dying off because everyone's moved to the damn city. So that's kind of a frustrating thing for the the farmers and stuff. You know, their kids want to leave and not be in the farm business, and the next thing you know, their farm dies. They end up selling it to some corporate, big corporate company, or they're, or they're, um, um, selling it off to the next farmer down the street. But uh, I think there's been some growth going on ever since COVID hit. I think people have kind of moved out of the city and come into these smaller towns. But not only in Kansas, but all in the states within America itself. For the past 200 years, Kansas has grown by 3%. Past 100 years. Every year, 3%. Nope. 100 years, 3%. Okay. There's about 3, 3 million people in Kansas. Maybe 3.5 at most. Okay. But most of those are populations. Most of the populations from Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri, and also Wichita. And then, um, of course, three percent doesn't seem that significant. Nope, it doesn't. But it's hundreds and hundreds of thousands, right? Sure. So, but um, I don't know. There, there hasn't seen some growth ever since the past couple of years. People have been moving out because I, I started these classes called Leadership Metro County, and I'm seeing these people move in from the cities. Like one guy's from Virginia, another lady is from like the East Coast, another person is coming in from like Montana another person is from utah so they're moving here for some reason i don't know why but and this is all to beloit kansas within the north central kansas area not beloit okay. particular but like cocker city and you know of course yeah. beloit um so you know learning about the aspects of kansas you know my mom being a politician so i hear things in and out and i, I approach my own opinion to it i like I'm conservative, but I think liberal wise. Okay. You know, I think, um, I think pot should be illegal, but amen to that. Yeah. Right. But there needs to be constraints to it. There needs Uh to be constraints to it for sure. So there's, there, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. And I'll, 
it, probably the next couple of years it will be. But we've been saying that for the past couple of years, and before that we've been saying the past couple of years before that hand. So who really mm-hmm. knows? But what I do know, we're sitting here drinking a beer, right? We got a nice little slight buzz, right? Uh-huh. We're safe. We're probably not going to leave for another hour before we get dinner. Yep. We're only like we're legal. Exactly. So now, and smoke's a different thing, you know. It needs to be regulated in certain ways. So. I think Kansas should do that one day, but will it happen? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, That's it'll, my... it'll happen in the next but, few years, I imagine. But every dollar I make, I want to have that dollar in my pocket. I don't want to be all going to government. I want to support the government in certain ways of how much they would need, but if they're asking for too much, no, fuck that. No. Especially, they're, they're hurting the bigger businesses. They're hurting, they're hurting your mom and pop businesses. Mm-hmm. Big time. You know, because they can't stay in business because of all the, the government regulations, and government wants to... They want to probably. They want to take all your money, and they want to work. They want you to be working for the corporate companies. Mm-hmm. So, it, in this, yeah. they say in the farm agriculture world that in twenty thirty five, twenty forty forty, all these farms are going to be bought out. All these farms are going to be bought out because none of the farmers' kids want to stay in the rural America. Nothing's keeping them here to want to be a part of real America, to grow the smaller towns, to be a part of a small community. They don't want to leave and go to city because that's where shit's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes I kind of feel that way at times, but I'm seeing the the great thing about rural communities. And it's, it's I think it's p- people like us that are developing that and keeping that going. Unless there's some regulations that just make it want us fucking hate the rural areas and we get out of town again. Well, then that just tells you about the rural communities in. But people are very, you know, that their you know, words travel quick in small yeah. towns. So yeah, no, I feel that. I, I, you know, I'll echo everything that you just said. Um, I kind of aspire to be in a city, just because that's where the good gigs are at. That's oh, yeah. where like. I don't know the good shits at. Like the gig that I went on this weekend. Like this yep. is this is like the metropolis of uh, Wichita. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. And also I love small towns. Uh it's hard to like be in a small town. Yeah. Um I mean I love the people like specifically where I am is in Superior and they're good people. Um but you can't do anything without everyone knowing. Yeah. Which is like okay other than it's just not I don't know. There's you fart and it echoes down the valley. It just echoes. Echoes everywhere. And Tom says it's a and it's fine, but everyone has opinions on that yeah. on that fart, and so like yep. they're like that fart smells. Jimmy John says that's a four decibel. <laughs> Lacey says a two decibel. Well, the legal limb is only six decibel. Yep. Of loudness. Yep. And then you get fined after six percent. That's right. And the community says you don't want to pay your fee, and they kick your ass out of the town. They see you in the grocery store; they don't even want to say hi to you. Yeah, I I think we have like similar political beliefs as well. Yeah, um, I'm sure we do. I'm I'm like liberal but conservative in in aspects. Yeah, and like basically, I just don't want government. Like, I I wish that we didn't have to have government, but I wish that we could like yeah. have all of these the liberal things that yeah. you know social aspects. I think government is good to a certain extent. Yeah, I think it keeps everything intact. Without government, there'd be things that would be uh, democracy, 
Maybe I anarchy. Anarchy. That's it. And I think if there's things aren't set in place, no rules, regulations, then everybody's free to roam. Like the government is set in place for reasons. We, I think the human human race has already experienced this the past thousands of years to create itself to have a government to keep things in place. I don't think without a government, things aren't in place. But I think government takes advantage of those certain right. aspects, and I think we're living that right now in our lives. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. Like when I DJ weddings. Like, you know, I charge a fair amount. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe if I charge a thousand dollars to DJ a wedding, yeah, um, I'm gonna pay the government two hundred dollars. And it's like, I get it. I love freedom, and I'm happy to be here. That's twenty percent. But I'm paying you two hundred dollars to tell me to not smoke pot or like what? Right. I mean, obviously, I appreciate the benefits of being in America, but it just doesn't add up in my books. Yeah. No, I don't know. It makes sense, man. There's a lot of weird stuff going on and how to navigate it. But I look at things, you know, your your average rural American is going to be conservative. Mm-hmm. Because they want to save their money. They want to keep their money. They don't want their money taken away from right. them. Well, they but, worked hard for that money. Exactly. And there's people out there in the government that are, I don't know. This is how somebody could look. Not saying I can would look at it, but this is how I think somebody would look at this scenario. You have a conservative, right? And the Republican. You have a Democratic person, right? And they want money handed to them all the time for whatever purpose and reasons. So what do they try to do? They say, well, this big cat's over here has a big corporation or he has like, he has five, six different puppy chow mills and he's making a lot of money, saving the money up. Well, we're going to fucking... We're going to put our attention to the government and we're going to have them try to take money from them, get more money because we need that money to fucking pay for this and pay for that. But at the same time, I'm a fucking musician, right? What that Democrat is talking about, he's talking about that he wants money for like the arts community. You know, you put in a million for the arts community within a certain region, within a state, whatever it may be. So maybe that is a good thing, but there's reasons why you have you have Democrats and you have Republicans. It goes both ways. There's a bill that just passed. Actually, it didn't pass. It, it did not go. It got vetoed. In Kansas? In Kansas. Governor Laura Kelly, she wanted to have a bill. She put up a bill for... I'm Okay, I'm not fully for sure about this full thing, but one on, it was a bill, bill 368, an SD bill 3-something. But we were at the Capitol watching a bill go down, and and this is with the communities that the district area within Kansas City and within that Wandat, oh, what's it Wandat or Johnson Johnson community area? They wanted to one area wanted to take over this other section area and create it as one. So when the votes come through, all those votes would go through to be. Um, Either Democratic, blue, or would be red. You know, okay. one was red, one was blue. The blue wanted to try to take over that section of the red. That's how I look at it. But the people that lived in the red section did not like that, and people that were also blue in the red section did not like that either. Maybe they did. I'm, that's why I'm not foolish for sure about it. But what they wanted was to take that section of that area and they're, they're, they're mapping out certain things and they're, they're releasing things publicly about it that pissed off a lot of people. So this bill went into the office 
and it voted and it didn't go through. Uh, I think there's about 122, 120 some representatives. Um, and most of them voted no for it because it was supposed to be the right thing for that area. So it, the bill did not go through, but, uh, Governor Kelly pushed it because she wanted the bill to go through for that reason, but it only happens every other 10 years. So the next 10 years, the bill is going to be represented again for another reasons and aspects. But, um, but I see why you have your conservatives, Republicans and why you have your Democrats. But, you know, uh, in my, I have very, de- very good democratic friends, you know, uh-huh. and I'm, I'm sure you do as well. Um, especially being in the music realm of things too. But I, I like to think more conservatively in that aspect, but I think as I get older, time goes on, I may even change one of these days. I don't know. I'm just seeing how things happen, but from looking in, looking out and growing up in that kind of a family, that's, that's what I'm seeing. That's, that's, Sure. Yeah, if I have ten bucks, I want to keep that ten bucks. You know, I don't want to have you know an extra two to three dollars taken out of my paycheck because of it. Yep, I feel you. I feel you. I also just love people, and I love uh, the well-being of everyone, and and I love art, and that tends to line up more with liberal folks. Um, right. I love going to dude. Do you ever go to like the art art galleries and you sip wine and just look oh, at art? And just, that's a beautiful night right there. I know. I love that. That's kind a perfect of stuff. night. And you know those things need to be funded more. Uh, you know, the, the Kansas had a Kansas. They lost a lot of money for the arts community. And that really irks me. How did that happen? <sighs> just over time, they lost money be honest i i can't speak upon that fully because i don't understand fully but um i'm a little upset about it because it leaves there's it leaves money for the arts community that's not able to do certain things to pay out for a certain uh effort to put in things you know i mean but even as a musician the only way we're making money is performing that's it i mean any big band they're going to be playing shows that's how they make their living is fucking playing shows or they produce a record and they try to make streams off it, but you hardly make anything on streams. Yeah. It's like zero point zero 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 point nine or zero point zero 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 nine or whatever it is. But to get them, they say if you get a million streams, you get like four four thousand dollars, four grand. Yeah, that ain't shit. That's not shit. You know that may pay for rent for the next like. Um, depends you have to on do so living. much work to get a million streams. You do, and it's almost not even worth it. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even understand that game, dude. I just released a song, and I'm trying to get streams on it. Yeah. You know, I created a video for it. I get really good organic stuff happening on my Facebook page and on uh, on YouTube because I connected it so I can see the views. I got over probably, oh, fuck, I don't know how many views I have on it now. I'm going to check, actually. I'm, I'm this is uh, KJ Bowers on Spotify and Facebook. Shoot a like if you want, give them a listen. Okay, so... You the, just released a new song. Yeah, this song is called Best I've Ever Made. And uh, I wrote this about a year, year and a half ago, and I recorded it about a year and a half ago. Okay, so this thing has got like 700 views on YouTube itself, but I have another video that I released on it that's got like... Oh, how many views does that one have? Oh, it's got 407. So technically six... I close to have a thousand views for that video. Another views I have, you know, maybe hundred. Another one I have like a little over a thousand views on that one. So like, 
you know, if you're not spending ad money and you're not going after the audience, mm-hmm. people that you need to get, you're not going to be in front of those people. You know, mm-hmm. you can do it organically and only go so far with it. Like, I think I had like 64, maybe 70 shares. And I had, I did have a fuck ton of views on Facebook itself for, from watching it and a ton of comments. But, um, all organically, I didn't spend a fucking dime on it. But the production, I spent some good money on it. But just imagine if you had five grand put towards that and you opened up a yeah. huge audience base, millions of people. That would create a good fan base. And then your streams come up. And then, next thing you know, sure. you can charge to do shows. Like, I can probably. I can probably charge to do shows and do county fairs, but doing mostly cover music, but then yeah. representing the music that I'm doing too. And that's how you grow a fan base, I believe. Sure. So uh, what's the dream? What's the vision with your music? What do you want to do? What do I want to do with my music? Yeah, let's let's get into it. <laughs> uh, why do you make music? Why do you make art? It's kind of a mixture of both. I like I like the challenge of the technology aspect, the software aspect, and learning those things, and then trying to trying to do my best to master those things. But I'm never a master at it. I'm more of a jack of all trades and actually master at something. And some people would say, maybe a jack of all trades, but you're a master at none. But then there's another saying that they don't tell you. That's like if you're if you're a master of one and and jack. <sighs> What's the saying? God damn, there's another saying. It's better off to be a, a jack of all trades than a master of one because you can do more things better than... A master could master one thing, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a jack of all trades. And I, I'm I feel like... Yeah, thing l- look it up. I like to do a lot of things because it makes me better in every aspect. Uh, that's how I grow in specific aspects. I know a lot of people would argue against that, but um, I just like to learn. So that's, but that's why you're, you make music or like, uh, did you find it? I think I did. Well, let's, I'm going to read it here. So it's like, right. uh, Jack of all trades, master of none is a figure of speech used in reference to a person who has dabbled in many skills rather than gain experience by focusing on one. The original version, a Jack of all trades is often a compliment for a person who is good at fixing and has a very good broad knowledge base but um well that's just the definition of that's it. the definition but there it goes but a master of one um can't do those other things that a jack of jack of all trades can do so who is really better to have and building something up to be to what it needs to be if I spend my whole life doing four or five different things instead of one, I'm going to be pretty fucking good at those five things. Sure. And I'll, I'll be a master at my fucking trade and what I'm doing. I'm getting there. You're getting there. Absolutely. We're all fucking getting there. That's the dream. But as a musician... Yeah. Tell me about like... Because you've, you've played music your whole life. or I mean, you've sang and played guitar for when you were in high school. Oh, yeah. Um yep. Like, what's the impetus? What's the, like, force behind you wanting to do this music? Like, why why make songs? You hear all those fucking dogs? Yeah, dude, we're, we are, we're in the ghetto of Wichita. <laughs> well, we're off the fucking highway of Wichita. We, if, if, you know, my sister moved out of Wichita, otherwise we'd be staying there right now. 
She had a fucking awesome place to stay at, but um, I had to get a hotel here. This is a cheap hotel. All so. right. Shout out to the Red Roof. Right. Red Roof Inn. Yep. Yep. I'm trying to keep my expenses down as best I can so I can save as much money as I can. That's the conservativeness in me. <laughs> hey, I, I don't want to pay more for a hotel. <laughs> Fuck, I know, right? Hilton, they got a bed. They Hilton, got a bathroom. Hilton Inn was charging 109 per night. And the first two yeah. nights in a king room was like 57 bucks. And then this room was like 65 bucks. But my my brother Ty is coming to town, so I don't mind spending an extra fucking 15 bucks to get fucking two queen beds. Mm. I appreciate it. Hell yeah, dude. I'm happy to have you here. Um, so the whole point about the music aspect, why I do it. Yeah, because I mean, like, you're balls deep in this music. That's like an aspect of your life. When I think of Caleb, I think of music. Like that's what you're most passionate about. Just uh, entertain me with with what? Why? I'm searching for a moment. I'm playing on stage. You get so into it, you lose yourself in it, and it's just pure, pure satisfying emotion. It's kind of like a, um, it's like a dreamy emotion, but you're living it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm striving for, and that's, that's kind of the same thing when I produce music in the studio too. It's like the same aspect, but it's a bit in a different way. When I work on a project, and I go, wow, okay, I think it's finally done. This is the best that I can get it on my own. You know, to the least expense that I can do it at. You know, I spend all these hours learning this thing, learning the software, learning how to run this button, fucking figuring this section out. Okay, how do you mic this thing fucking properly? Okay, how do you EQ the bass? How do you EQ the guitars? How do you EQ the fucking drums? What's the best approach to it and what's the most easiest way I can approach it but still being the songwriter and the artist? You know, and not paying out thousands of dollars to some guy that thinks you need to fucking pay him because he's got his name on all these big fucking projects. You know, cool. I've already experienced that. I've I've done those things in studio with those guys, and I, I have those relationships, and I enjoy those relationships. Will I work with them one day? Maybe, but I'm trying to figure things out on my own to keep my expenses as less as I can while I still pursue and enjoy what I love doing. So that's why I invested in a lot of stuff to make it happen, and. It, it's the journey that I'm, I'm trying to enjoy, Ty. It's the journey. It's the process. All right, I love that. But it's it's the That's great. It's the it's a moment where you hear something. It's like, oh my god, that's a catch. That'd be a great course. That'd be a good verse. That'd be a good bridge. So I, I have, dude. I literally have at least a thousand ideas on this fucking phone. Yeah. Okay. So I had like two past phones. I've had many phones in my life, but uh-huh. the two phones I past had, I saved all that information onto this phone. Cause I got a lot of, it's this guy, 280, no, 200, 128 gigabytes. So okay. I, I keep a lot of good fucking storage on this thing. I mean, I have, there's at least three, four albums worth of material in here. And I've written many songs on here. Every time I hear an idea, I record it. Fucking record it. You know, and I come back to it later. Like, I've been using my DAW system studio one for the past, oh, 17 when I bought it. So I've been using it for some time now. I've got a lot of songs. You got 11 years on that thing. I do. I have a, I have a lot of songs accumulated on that and I've done a lot of demo work and I've done a lot of songs that are well produced. Um, I think the songs that I've have well produced about four of them and most of those are released out right now. If not three of them, uh, but one will be released again. I'm trying to just make as many songs as I can, as many demos as I can. So I look at all the songs I have and be like, all right, what do I fully want to work on and produce on my own? 
maybe not on my own, but I need to have people to work with too. That that's that's one thing. You moving here, you lose the aspect of certain people working with. In Nashville, those people down there, they're, they're so fucking talented. There's so many fucking talented people that live mm-hmm. there. And a lot of people that don't live there go there, but then get out and they live in their own towns and they realize, okay, they, they understand what Nashville is. Nashville's a fucking tourist place now. That's what it is, man. I mean, Broadway, that's where people go to fucking get drink and smash and say experience Nashville. Yep. That's it, where all the bridesmaids go. Exactly. It's it's stupid, dude. It's stupid. It's stupid. But if they like it, it's their lives. They enjoy it. They they love it. Then it's their lives. What can I what can I say about that? But you know, um the talent is one thing that I wish there was more cats like me out there. Um to to work with in that aspect and and to be at that certain caliber to to be work quick and fast on things in studio and and come up with a good project if there's things that I'm thinking of that I got a good base thing on a good base level on and everything it's like I'm looking for that other aspect to finish the top top the rest of the end off but that's why you have guitar players come in bass players drummers come in because they put their own unique twist to it they think this way than how you would think you know, because my mind is so wrapped up on five other things that I'm doing the best that I can to, to, to manage these things, which I feel like I do them pretty well, you know, back to the jack of all trades. But then, you know, that's why hire, hire, hire a musician or have a good friend to come in to help you with these projects and build that up, you know, and make sure you give them fucking credit. And anytime you do a fucking shows, you want to hire them to do shows, to do stuff. So that's, that's why I do that. You know, that's why I want to have you come to the show with me. So and, it's beautiful. Well, I mean, it's yeah. it's nice that you're here now. I mean, you're in Beloit, Kansas, and and you are you're the guy now. You are the studio. You're like the only studio around here, and you're able to do all those good things, um, which There's, is kind of unheard of for maybe in North like, Central Kansas within within like sixty mile radius. There's no other studio. Well, there's Blue Heaven Studio in Salina, but... Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Salina and Wichita and Kansas City. Those but. guys, they're not going to work on projects unless you're paying them good money. Sure. And even then, it's gonna, it's, they're going to be they're gonna be good-sounding projects, but they're not going to be like what you hear on the radio. I mean, maybe. Depends on what kind of caliber of kind of like music you're going for and trying to produce. You know, it's one thing you cut one vocal and you cut harmonies, but it's another thing when you dub the main vocal sure and then you dub those harmonies and then you fully mix it to sound like fucking rihanna on the radio mm-hmm. or you sound like google lols or some shit you know mm-hmm. but th- so uh tell me about like your projects you got you got more stuff in the works are you trying to do an album or you got more songs you're cooking up here i've got a ton of songs i have probably i've been ever since i, I got back to to kansas here i've probably written about 12 to 13 different songs and I've probably demoed out I've no I've demoed up probably more than just 12 but I've got a good solid eight or nine songs that I've written since I've been back that I'm that I really want to produce and hone in on and focus on okay so and that's those songs will be on an album I want to do an album one day but um I've got to I'm just doing as many demos as I can glorified demos I like to call them unless I can spend more time on them to be well polished and well produced so I'm trying to get to that point where I can do that to do an album one day. But I'm also thinking about maybe doing some cover music too because a lot of people listen to these other bands that actually have big followings and stuff. So you're so going to record cover music or just do it live? Probably record cover music. Okay. 
Not probably, um, but I may. I love writing original music, but... Do you have to... Like, how does that work? Can you just record a, a song that someone else wrote, or do you have to get permission from them to do that? Both. You gotta get... You a, can't release a cover song without getting permission. Exactly. So, one song, for instance... I'm trying to find a publisher to work with right now, but publishers are hard to find and hard to work with, and they don't care about the real American average person unless you have good content. But I mean, it's all about relationships. And I, I've had a couple of relationships with people that work in the publishing aspect, but they do mostly like mechanical royalties and they work under a certain publishing company. So, but to work at the big publishing company, they're going to get paid thousands of dollars for that stuff that you don't even understand and fully figure out what to do. Cause you're spending all this time producing this music. What do you do with it? Right. And then you try to get in the publishing realm. Get li- There's ways to get licensing. There's like a, a company called Easy Song that I'm trying to figure out how to navigate through that. But then they'll navigate everything for you with the publisher. But you have to pay so much money up front. I think it's like a 200 bucks or something per song that you do. But then that's like 200 bucks I could spend on somebody mixing it. So that's like, do I hire somebody to mix it then? Or, or, and, or do I mix it and then pay the publishing company that kind of money to, to do it? I sneeze. Bless you. Thank you. Sorry about that, folks. One more, more. Get it. I just want to take this opportunity to uh, let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Bowtie Audio. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Bowtie Audio. If you are getting married or throwing a party in Kansas or Nebraska, please consider Bowtie Audio. Hell yeah. Um, so, for instance, I, I did a song called uh, Rock Around the Christmas Tree, right? I put it up on YouTube. It's got like 14 views, 20, 30 views. And okay. I try to talk to the publishing company how to get it out there more, but I get no response. I get no response. I reached out. Dude, I reached out to probably close to 100 labels. I get nothing. Publishers, probably reached out to about 15 of those people in the past. And what are you trying to get from this to get it? To get it out there Just, more. Yeah, okay. I get better. I get better. I've had better success on my original music than I have on a, that original tune that I did, Rock Around the Christmas Tree. It's a pretty fun one, but, you know, I produced it as a jingle, really, for the community. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to actually do it and produce it my own and release it as KJ Bowers. That's what I did. And then I also filmed it. And then I edited it as well. So I'm like, I'm going to put not only the music together, but I'm going to film it and put a visual aspect together for it too. So... I love doing that kind of stuff. It's a lot of hard, tedious work, but at the end of the day, is it really worth anything? That's what I can ask myself, but I ask myself that because it, it deep down I enjoy it, and I like doing that kind of stuff, and I don't have to get paid for it, but I like to get paid for something for my efforts putting into it, but sure. people are going to want to have clout and make money on their end as much as you're trying to make money too, but... Um, like I said, I do it more cause I enjoy it and I'm trying to, get- that's what it's all about. You make it. And then, um, I mean, it, if it's, if it's great, you'll get paid for it eventually. Yeah. Or you, you just do what you love and then eventually it'll work itself out. I think so. And I'm, that that's, that's the spirit that I try to have. And I think that's the spirit that everybody needs to just try to focus on and have. Yep. And anything that they do. So I, so I, I love doing videographer work. It's part of my part part of my business that I do. Like I help companies out with. They need a video project done, then I do that kind of stuff. They need a website built. I build it. 
they need it well optimized, SEO content's looking good, then I do that for them. And uh, I'm pretty good at building websites as well and optimizing. That's kind of my part. It's my part-time job and my full-time job. My my main job I have is I sell vehicles. Well, I don't really do the selling. I do the aspect of showing and then get them intrigued. And then really make, not... Make them look good online? Make them, make them look good online. I show the vehicles to see okay. if they, it's actually something that they really want. If they want to do that, then I'll get them with the, the sales manager and then the sales manager will sell them. But I should do everything else in between all that information, all that stuff. And I also put on appearance protection packages. So I put on this particular wax on the vehicles. Well, not Ooh. a wax. It's like a... Uh, speaking of that, yeah. so on my van, so Caleb, <laughs> Caleb, <laughs> if you ever see the Bowtie Audio van driving <laughs> around... Uh, Caleb is in charge of. He's the reason why I have that beautiful machine. We're gonna re-sticker your thing, and, it's and I got a better. Uh the sticker is fading on it. Is it? Shit. Yeah, and that was kind of. I don't know. We uh we overlooked. So the last sticker I had, we cut it out, and yeah. it was black, and then that didn't fade, or like maybe it faded, but like you couldn't tell. And now this is a a white background sticker, and the white is turning yellow. So uh, we need to we need to re-sticker it. And cut it out. We will do it, and then we're gonna put a put a special spray on it. It's gonna right. protect it even better. So wonderful. That's what it did in the first one. So it lasted like a good year, and then this one lasted not so long. But I think we gotta cut out the letters and put them on particularly. Well, yeah. yeah, I'll get you a new logo. I'll because cool. last time we had a a big bow tie, and then it said bow tie audio in the bow tie, and that's what I'm gonna do again. Cool, because that that worked out good. I'm getting some stuff here. Like I print off like vinyl stuff, so I can print off big vinyl up to 42 mm-hmm. inches. 22 and 42 inches and then i can print off um stickers that are only well maybe i could i could also do the 42 i gotta figure out my printer can do it actually maybe i should already know that now but i know it can do a lot of shit and i i I know it pretty well but um yeah 24 inches to print off a big sticker and uh stick it on and also do vinyl i actually had some uh, one of the tj t and j popcorn in concord or not concordia t and j popcorn in beloit they're at the Vinge Market Days, and I made their big sign for them. Ooh, nice. Yep, and she, uh, she sold quite a bit of popcorn today. I hope well, she's going to do with that. So. It's a good day for popcorn. I know, right? So, yeah, I hope her t- company's doing good. She's a nice girl, and she she works hard. She deserves it. So, yep. Well, that's wonderful. Um, yeah. I'm going to grab another beer. I need to take a leak. All right, let's take a little break here. All right. Um, we'll come back. Um, I might grab my guitar, too. We can... Jam a little bit. Get that, just get that ready, you know. Right, this is called Modern Folk Podcast. Yeah, that sounds good. Thank you for listening to the Modern Folk Podcast. This was episode number two with Caleb Bowers. You may find Caleb's music wherever you consume your content under KJ Bowers. Before we say goodbye, I'd like to take this opportunity to read you a poem. 
This is called How to Get There by Michael Lunig. Go to the end of the path until you get to the gate. Go through the gate and head straight out towards the horizon. Keep on going towards the horizon. Sit down and have a rest every now and again. But keep on going. Just keep on going with it. Keep on going as far as you can. And that's how you get there. Thank you for listening to the Modern Folk Podcast. Please enjoy this recording of a hotel room in Wichita. Modern folk. Modern folk.